Mindfulness Mode 205. My measure of how well I'm doing is, is uh, what would happen if we had the zombie apocalypse? Would I be okay? And I think I would. Hey, Mindful Tribe. Thanks for joining us again here on Mindfulness Mode. This is Bruce Langford, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach. Today, I'm really excited. You know that not so long ago, I was down in Orlando at PodFest as a speaker, and I got to enjoy so many other speakers, meet great people, lots of people I already knew. I met wonderful people, including listeners to Mindfulness Mode, so that was exciting. But one of the people I met was the guest for today's show. And man, he's talented, he's connected, he knows how to make things happen. And when I sat down to chat with him there at PodFest, he was just pushing the button on a brand new podcast. And I think the podcast is called Beginner Audiophile. Well, you are in for a treat because he is dynamic, he's brilliant, he's awesome. His name is Michael O'Neill, and you're going to hear him right now. So stay tuned, sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode with Michael. Okay, Mindful Tribe, let's get started. I am really excited today. I have Michael O'Neill with me. Hey, Michael, are you in mindfulness mode? Bruce, I am. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. My guest today is a speaker, content creator, athlete, coach, and online entrepreneur. He's well known for his popular podcast, The Solopreneur Hour, where he interviews interesting people who, as he puts it, zagged when everyone else zigged. I love that. Although he appears to be fast-paced with many balls in the air at any one time, I see him as a guy who's centered and grounded, mindfully working towards his desired outcomes. Now, you're going to love this Mindful Tribe today, learning more about Michael O'Neill and how he seems to just keep on nailing life. So, Michael, yeah, it's great to have you here. Let's start here. Let's talk about mindfulness itself. How would you define mindfulness for you? Um, you know, it's weird as I go through the day and I, I used to live in Philadelphia and I remember there was one day my, I, I had this little apartment on the third story of one of those row houses and, uh, my dog uh, who was a Springer Spaniel, 50 pound Springer Spaniel named Jake used yeah. to lie on the, the window ledge that's where he would like, cause he'd get a little breeze. He could see outside and see what the deal is. So he'd hang out there. And, uh, I got home one day and I, I joined him on the window ledge and while I was sort of leaning out and we were looking out the window and this girl across the street had gotten, a, a, a you know, a cup of soda at the, I mean, a place called Dairy King, which is like not Dairy Queen, but um, it's like McDowell's. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and she got this soda and then just like finished it and threw it in my front yard and just kept walking. Really? <laughs> I, and, I, and, I, and I just said, you know, I'm going to leave. <laughs> I'm leaving Philadelphia now. And I did. Um, it's, it's that thing. For me, mindfulness is being self-aware. And I don't think uh, in general, I think we're, we're curating a, a society that's not as, as mindful as I, I think I'd like it to be. You know, it's the people that are on their cell phone at the grocery store, like at the checkout, 
yeah. you know, or, you know, or they don't even lift their head when they're crossing the street. They're, they've got their face buried in their phone yes. or, you know, they just don't, you know, they don't hold it. You know, you've got an arm full of groceries and they walk in before you and they just they don't even bother to look back to see if anybody else is behind them and they just let the door shut. Those are the kind of things that I do on a, a regular basis. And I, to me, that feels mindful. Right, right. Well, Michael, you just launched an exciting new podcast called Beginner Audiophile. And on your show, Solopreneur Hour, you talked to your listeners through the whole entire process of starting this new online venture. And you're so pumped. You know, it's just amazing. Mindful Tribe, you can check out on Instagram. Michael's show is hashtag solo hour. But Michael, I'm going to ask you right now, how do you stay so focused, even though it's seems like you're just going 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 doing all these different things how do you do it how do you stay so amazingly grounded uh i think that i I suppose one of the reasons is is that i i've built a life that i love Mm -hmm. Uh, you can't see this because we're not on video right now but you know like two feet behind me is uh my drum set um (laughs) And, uh, so I can always shoot over to that thing, uh, when, you know, if, if I need a little break and need to sweat a bit, uh, I can always do, I mean, I'm in San Diego, so I'm in a location that I love. I can jump on a bike or, you know, go to the beach or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that really matters. I think I've built my life around my hobbies versus the other way around. Like I don't make time for my hobbies. I build my life around my hobbies. Like for instance, tomorrow, uh, I, I've just scheduled about four hours to, to I have this vintage car that I restored and I've, yeah. I'm going to get it. I'm going to do some paint work on it. So I've just scheduled a, a few hours of work on that tomorrow morning. Uh, when I'm, when I'm finished doing, I'm recording a podcast and we go out and, you know, get into the garage and start taking it apart. And that's to, the ability to be able to do that and not worry about, you know, am I, am I working on an hourly rate or whatever? That's, that to me is, what keeps me grounded? Yeah, wow, that's great. Well, yeah, I'm I'm interested. You mentioned you're a drummer. I know that. And as a music teacher, I'm I'm totally fascinated by the fact that the drums. It's one of those instruments that you use your hands, you use your feet. You're doing different things with your hands and your feet. And I really believe that that builds your brain. It keeps your brain healthy and powerful. Do you agree with that? Do you do you think that that's a way that you just kind of keep sharp? I think, well, a couple things. Um, I think that, in well, there's a couple things. So in particular, drummers, because we use our left and right brains all the time because it's a that multi-limb thing. Exactly. There's definitely a, a hone skill. But even if you're not a drummer, I've interviewed now, I've done... 500 and I don't know, 40 some shows, uh, um, of the solopreneur hour. And there's been a fairly consistent theme of some of the most successful people that I've had on have been musicians. And I think the reason why is because when you're a musician, uh, what, what instrument do you play, Bruce? Well, I play piano, but I taught all the band instruments. So I like to play the sax. I like to play the accordion. I just like to play a lot of different instruments. But so, but piano is your first instrument. Yeah, piano is, yes. Who's your, who's your, uh, your hero, your piano hero? Well, I love to play some of the classics by Mozart, and Beethoven, and just dig right in there, you know. Okay, so if you can consider that, um, let's say you got a, a, you're holding a drumstick and then you hold it horizontally. 
And on one end of that drumstick is Mozart. He's on the far end. He's right. the greatest that ever lived or Beethoven or you take your pick. Yeah. And then we are somewhere along that line, right? We're somewhere in the timeline um, of, of our experience level or year level or natural ability or whatever. So we're all, we're not quite there, you know, but yeah. the thing is with, um, with music, you'll never get there. You'll never be Mozart. So it's always this constant, uh, evolution. It's this constant learning. It's this constant practice. Cause you know, there's, there's this Holy grail at the other end, and that's Mozart. But you, you'll never get there. I can look at someone like Buddy Rich and go, I'll never be as good as Buddy Rich, but I'll be as good as I am as long as I keep putting work into it. And as an entrepreneur, I can, I can, you know, go on, go on YouTube and see some drum lesson. That's I'm sure you do the same thing with piano. Yeah, yeah but sure. you, I can see some drum lesson. I can sit down on my drum set, and I, and I'm a, I would say I'm a good drummer. I mean, I've been playing for a long time. Yeah, it is. Um, laughable when I get this brand new, you know, uh, lick or whatever that I have to do. And I'm doing this thing with my left foot, this thing with my right hand, this thing, with my left hand, this thing, my right foot. And I'm trying to play it. And it's so hilariously bad. Like I can literally not do it at all. I'm like trying to get my limbs to line up and it's not working and blah, blah, blah. But you check in with me in 15 minutes and I've got that same thing humming. And you're like, all right, well, there you go. So we get this, we get a chance to quickly fail as musicians and then put in a little bit of work and quickly see the result of that work. It's one of the quickest ways to see the benefit of practice. So as an entrepreneur, sometimes we don't get to see those things that quickly. We've got to go through things that sometimes take more time and more money. Sometimes we, we, we do a show like a, a new podcast or a blog or whatever. And it's months before we get the feedback we need to decide, should I keep going on this or not? And if you are a person who continually wants to get better in all facets of your life, which is what I am, then you don't mind failing a little bit. You don't mind feeling a little dumb at the beginning and, and you know, uh, looking a little silly, but because you know that if you keep working on it, it's going to work out great. And yeah, that's, that's what true. And you just plunge through, don't you? You just push through and yeah, you don't stop to think, yeah, that, I was really terrible at that. You just kind of move ahead and that's, yeah. that's what you do. Yeah. And, and I, and I'm sure as a kid, you were a freestyle rider, BMX rider. Did yeah. you kind of have that same mindset then you, I'm sure there were times, you know, you thought you were terrible, but then you became expert, be, became a mountain bike racer. Even back then, did you apply these same kinds of principles? Well, I didn't know what that meant yet. You know, sure. Um, I, I watch a lot of uh, comedians in cars getting coffee. It's Jerry Seinfeld's show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He I had, love that show. It's great. But he had Chris Rock on. And it's funny. I, there's two references from that show I use all the time. One, one of which is um, he said there was a guy that came up to him and said, I'm thinking about becoming a Hollywood screenwriter. And Jerry said, you'll never make it. And the reason why he said that is because no writer thinks about writing. They just write. Right. So you don't, okay. you just do it. You know what I mean? Yes. So, um, and if you're a, you know, if you're a podcaster, you podcast, you don't need to be paid for it. You just do it. So the other one though, is that he was talking about seeing, um, he was walking by a skate park and he saw the, the kids on skateboards just falling and falling and falling and falling and then getting up and trying it again and getting up and trying it again. And then eventually they, they would do it. And then Jerry said, you know, that kid's going to be all right. 
And so that's really, you know, I, I think it was unbeknownst to me at the time, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're, uh, you practice one trick or one move hundreds of times to get it right and get the muscle memory and get your body flowing the right way. And your shins are bleeding. You've crashed a few times, but you just keep going until you do it. And then, you know, the payoff is that you have it, you own it at that point. So I think that, uh, you know, being a, a bike rider and having going through those kind of challenges when I was a kid was really super helpful. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't make a lot of excuses for myself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you grew up in Ohio, at least you were born in Ohio, grew up in Pennsylvania. What happened back then when you were a kid that helped to form the Michael we know today? Well, I think what we just talked about was a major piece. The, the, the BMX freestyle thing was pretty huge. The music thing was pretty huge. I mean, those are, if, if I had to assess the amount of impact those things had, we're yeah. in the, we're in the upper 70% of those two things. So the rest of the 30 is I think that I had a funny family and I also had a family that, um, that we worked hard and it was, you know, my, my dad would get us up early to work on, work in the yard when I was a kid. So, um, so I, you know, and, and also consequently I can fix everything now I'm very handy. So it's just as a, as a, you know, if you talk about a mindful life an overall life, I can, you know, my, my measure of how well I'm doing is, is, uh, what would happen if we had the zombie apocalypse? Would I be okay? And I think I would, cause I think I can fix things and I can be resourceful. So I think right now in 2017, at, at least as men, I know a lot of guys that don't know how to change a flat tire in a car. And I'm like, dude, you like, come on, you got to turn in your man card or you got to learn how to do that because at, at some point you're going to flatten if they say, well, um, I can just call AAA. Well, you've never obviously driven in the mountains, you know, in Colorado, because that's where you get the flat and then there's no cell service. Then what do you do? So it's like you have to figure out you know, what uh, what what comprises your life uh, if you feel like you're being mindful. But I mean, for me, those things were really important. It was the, the comedy side, just taking things not too seriously, having a kind of a comedic brain and then the ability to be resourceful and fix things is pretty important, too. So do you ever feel defeated? What actually stops you in your tracks? Uh, quick, I, I get defeated and then quickly get over it. Okay. You know? Um, just move right through it. Yeah, so I move fast. right on. I don't spend a lot of time on any of that. Uh, just because I know it's my, my voice against imposter syndrome is pretty good at this point. So if we take it back to something tangible, like trying to play something on the drums. Mm -hmm. I could probably, I could probably fail at it and then get up and go, Oh, that sucked. And then go, you know what? It'll probably be better tomorrow. And then that's okay. You right. know, um, I do the same thing when I play racquetball, I, I lose to people that I'm not supposed to lose to and go, Ugh. but then the next day I'll come back and you know, and I'll, I'll, that will not be the case. So it's, I, I can do that pretty quickly in, in rebound because I, you know what? It's just like the shirt said, shit, shit happens. Yeah, for sure. So you know? what, what's your biggest fear, Michael? Um, it's a good question. My biggest fear is I think, um, probably being irrelevant. You know, it's nice to have, a. a it's nice to know you're making an impact in the world. And I think it's worse 
to think that no one cares. So I think that relevancy for me is pretty important. Well, you sure are a relevant person and you're all about people, all about connecting. You even have an online training about how to give better interviews, have better conversations. It's called The Art of the Interview. And Mindful Tribe, you can check this out. It's theartoftheinterview.co. And um, Michael is amazing with interviews himself and connecting with people. And there's a mindfulness element to that as well, isn't there? Like, like, did you always have that ability to just connect with others? Or do you think that's a skill that you've just really worked on through some elements of mindfulness? What, with uh, like interview chops? Is that yeah, what you're asking? In, with interviewing, but also just connecting with people like at events or wherever you are. You just have that that way of making others just feel like, hey, you know, you're just like the guy next door. How are you doing? You know, you, you just have that very down to earth way about you. Yeah, I think um, I think that is a skill. I'm, I'm inherently a, a bit socially awkward. Um, just by, by default, I'm a little socially awkward, which you may or may not, uh, discover if I'm out at an event, but it also really depends on the people at the event and depends on my, my role at the event. So if I'm just a random person in a crowd at an event, I can be social, a little bit socially awkward. Um, and not in a way that's super noticeable, but I'm not great at small talk generally. It's not generally like my thing. I like to dig right in and sure. not everybody's comfortable with that. So it does force you into a bit of the, meh. and I'm so impatient with some of those things that I would rather just not have the conversation. So <laughs> I'll just be like, I'm going to leave now. And I just leave. And that's kind of the awkward part. Uh, the rest of it though, I, I absolutely believe is a learned skill. I think that you can become a better conversationalist. I think you can become a better interviewer. And there's a lot of factors involved, but ultimately it's about how well, you know, if you're, if you're having a conversation with someone, how do they feel when the conversation ends? And that's really the, the key to not only a good conversation on the microphone, but a good one in real life. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You love to listen to stand up comedy. And, you know, personally, I don't think we laugh enough. <laughs> Have you ever done comedy yourself? Have you ever been a stand up? I've never done a stand up, although I probably have about 10 minutes if someone forced me to do it right now. Yeah. Uh, well, I, 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 I I'm sure I'll do it at some point. I'm sure you will. I think there's something very mindful about about humor and comedy and and how we we are open to that in our lives. And uh, I know that you like Jerry Seinfeld. Who who else do you like? What other stand up comics? Um, let's see what's go across the board. Um, who do I like? I love Greg Giraldo. We lost him a couple years ago to, uh, addiction. Um, Anthony Jeselnik is great. And by the way, none of these are, they're kid friendly. Neither of the two I just mentioned are kid sure. friendly. Um, who else? Bill Burr is funny to me. Uh, Brian Regan is probably a, a good clean one. And Seinfeld is obviously a good clean one. Uh, who else do I like that I'm kind of digging these days? Louis C.K. I just saw I just saw Louis about two weeks ago in Long Beach, and I, I've seen him now. You know, his, his whole thing puts out he, he puts out a new hour every year. He does a new special every year, which is if you know anything about comedy, is a bonkers speed. It's a that's really 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 fast for putting out a new comedy hour because they say that um, 
30 seconds takes 30 hours in standup. So like it's, it's a, it's a, the numbers are crazy. The amount of time that you have to spend developing good jokes takes a, an inordinate amount of time. So the fact that he does a new hour every, um, you know, every year is pretty crazy. That is a crazy pace that he operates on. But I saw him a couple of weeks ago and it was the best I've seen in six, seven years from him. It was just unbelievably good. And I look at comedy from both sides. So I look not only if I get, if I laugh, which is obviously great, but it's kind of the icing on the cake for me. The, sometimes it's just the structure and the technical side of the presentation that I really dig. Like Aziz Ansari did a special two, not this last one, but the one before, which was beautifully crafted. I didn't find it funny at all, but I thought it was entertaining. And I thought, I mean, it was a couple funny lines in there. It was, it was very entertaining, but it was just impeccably crafted. And I thought that was cool. And sometimes you get people that are just really funny, but aren't they're, they're You can tell that they're still on the earlier side of their, their comedy development, meaning they either haven't found their voice yet, or they just, they haven't figured out how to craft a nice chunk of, of uh, comedy together yet. But I can look at it from either way and be entertained by it. For sure. Well, you know, I, I want to change the subject here and, and talk to you about habit and how you use habit in your life to kind of pull off all these different things. Because I know there's a lot of talk these days. I've read the book, The Power of Habit, and, and we can take our, our routines and our processes and we can kind of make them into habits. Do you do that yourself? Have, have routines and habits? Yeah. Have you, do you like go out to consciously create habits that will then work for you and, and help you make your life easier? I say that I, I, I attempt to, but I don't know that I succeed. <laughs> so, oh, is that right? Yeah. I just, you know, I'm, I've tried a lot of different things for productivity and, um, I've tried that I've lately, I've been doing the Pomodoro method, which is yes. kind of working for 40, whatever minutes, maybe 45 minutes and taking, excuse me, 15 minutes off yeah. and doing whatever. <laughs> so that's been pretty good, but it's not my natural state of being. I think one of the things that made me a good, you know, back in the day when I was a waiter was the fact that I could have nine things going on at the same time. And, and I could, I could manage all of them. So I don't have, I, I mean, I have some stuff, you know, I schedule mm -hmm. some things in my life. One thing I did, one major piece of habit forming material for me though, was last year, which was a buddy of mine who looks like a, a, a Greek statue. I mean, he's just, he looks unbelievably fit and he's got this picture of himself on Instagram and he's living these, lifting these kettlebells. And he has this whole long inspirational thing, but he said, you know, tip of the day, um, don't prioritize your schedule, schedule your priorities. And I, and I really ran with that. There's things about my life that I felt like I wasn't getting enough of. And I right. said, you know what, I'm gonna put them on the schedule. So then I put in my morning entrepreneurial walk from eight o'clock to nine 30. I put in, you know, at least 30 minutes of practicing my drums, maybe 45. I put in, you know, going to play racquetball at certain times. And so I, I put those on the schedule and they're breathing, you know, they are like they're, they can't be moved once they're there. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So I have to schedule around those things to, 
you know, to make plans because those things are, are set in stone now. Sure. They come first. Are, are some of those things, your form of meditation, like your 90 minutes of walk or your racquetball? Drumming is definitely the meditation for sure. In fact, um, as I was working on something a month or two ago, I, I thought this would be pretty interesting to like truly combine and focus meditation where I, I'm literally, um, it was one of those things I was just mentioning earlier, which is I couldn't do it at all. But then after a little bit, I, I was doing it repeatedly and it felt good and it was, it was working. And I thought, I wonder if I could do this to a certain tempo and just do it for 20 minutes. Like just not even think about the thing I was doing, just forget about what I was doing and see if my body could just operate in there and really meditate through it, breathe through it, you know, focus on one thing I do right now is I'll put a, like a car show on, on, uh, on my, I have a TV in my studio and I'll just watch the car show and I'll just repeat the groove that I was working on. And that seems to work pretty well for me. That's really cool because you're the first, the first person I've interviewed who actually uses drumming as meditation. And I think it makes perfect sense because you are using different parts of your brain and you are able to put it on autopilot if you're, if you're good at it, that's for sure. Yeah. So yeah, Michael, I've worked in bullying prevention for over a decade and I've seen how the practice of mindfulness can really make a huge positive difference in the lives of people that have experienced bullying. Do you have a story about bullying where mindfulness would have made a difference? So where mindfulness would have prevented bullying? Yes. Because yes, I mean, exactly. you're being bullied. You don't have a lot to do with it, do or you? Or it would have changed the way you dealt with it. It would have changed your perception because a lot of times it starts with one thing and it goes from there to something else, to something else, to something else. And if you can deal with it differently from the beginning, then it doesn't move on to some of those other stages. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I, so yes, it does make sense. And it's funny. It's, I was talking about this the other day as well, which was, um, if I had a, uh, if I could time travel, there's three or four incidents in my life where I was a bit bullied that I think I would go back and actually stand up for myself. So I probably wouldn't be mindful. I'd be the opposite of mindful. And, and you know, I don't, I don't know. I think when you're, when you're a, a kid and you're being bullied, I think mindfulness is a, um, can be considered a, a, a very mature concept. And even a lot of adults don't understand it. And, and they don't, um, they, they sort of can't mentally get to where they need to get so they can remove themselves from the equation. If I go back to my earlier reference of, you know, this is how people show up in the world. Sometimes there's not enough self-awareness for them to be mindful and, and so I think that's a bit of a rich concept for a kid who's being bullied. That's not to say that it's impossible, but, um, I, I'm trying to think of in my, in my history, if there's anything I could have done on either side, probably, but I'm thinking of it as a, as a mindful adult now, yes, you know what I mean? For sure. um, yes. So yeah, probably, you know, I, I'm thinking about, you know, this one incident where this, you know, he was really one of the bullies of the of the school would always do that move where you just like hit, you know, like shoulders. I'd we'd be in the hallway and he would just nail me almost like a, like a hockey, like a cross check. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He would kind of check me 
as we were walking down the hallway and he was really super, he looked like one of those kids that, um, in high school, he was the kid that could do like 30 pull-ups, you know, right. he was really ripped and super strong. I don't know if he did anything other than had great genetics, yeah. but he was just a jerk. He was just a jerky kid. And, yeah. and, uh, and I remember th- I'm thinking now that I would probably go to the, to the principal's office and just say, look, this is happening. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but don't be surprised if I end up in this, in this office, you yes. know? And, and I, I never did. I, I never had, I was always scared of the kid and, you know, knowing what I know now about every one of the incidents and it probably happened like maybe three or four times during my whole school career that somebody was a, a jerk to me repeatedly. Um, that, that the, it's, it's just standing up for yourself a little bit that makes them go, go to somebody else and go, figured out. I wouldn't have had the capacity, which is what I would have now to say, you know what? I can tell that you're in a lot of pain. I can tell that, you know, you probably don't have a very good home life and you're, you're looking at me and you're feeling like you can take advantage of me, you know? Okay. But I'll bet you we've got some stuff in common. I, that's, that's where I would go now with it. Yes. But you know, that's about 60% of what I would do now. The other 40% is still in Philly and I would fight back now. Right. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's like, nah, you know, we can, we can <laughs> talk about it or I can, I can, you know, whack you over the head or something. Well, and I think that part of it is still in a lot of us as well, because we have to defend ourselves. I mean, part of life is sometimes about defending yourself, isn't it? Yeah. And I, you know, it's, it's weird. We've got this, um, I, on one side, we've got people that say, you really need to find your voice and find your personality. And the other side, people say, well, you know, we got to be, you got to have some decorum and, and be polite and that kind of thing. And I'm sort of in, in between somewhere where, you know, I'll, I'll, there's only so much I can take, you know? And before I said, why am I wasting time? And, but now my move ins instead of being, uh, confrontational with someone, I'll just go do something else. I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get myself out of the situation. And that's, I, th- I suppose, a more mindful approach to it than than being confrontational and, and ostracizing yourself from the group. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. It really does. Michael, my next questions are part of the multi-mode round. Just short 30-second answers, you know. Good. Love it. <laughs> yeah. So who's one person who you would say has influenced you to be more mindful? Probably a guy called, uh, probably this guy called David Wood. I launched a podcast for him a couple of years ago called The Kick-Ass Life with David Wood. He's from Kelowna, Kelowna, Canada. Kelowna, BC. Oh, he's a really good, he was a, kind of a T. Harvecker guy that ended up being the personal development coach for this network marketing company that I was working with. And great, you know, very, very thoughtful uh, kind of guy. Cool. How has mindfulness affected your emotions? Uh, I think you can, I think it, for me anyway, it, um, it allows me to, to not stress out uh, uh, over things that I really had no control over to begin with. You know, I don't, I don't, uh, it's kind of the four agreements. I I don't stress about things that I have no control over. Right. Too much anyway. Yeah, that makes sense. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice. Uh, it's not, I don't have a breathing exercise. Sure. Okay. So could you recommend a book that's related to this topic of mindfulness? Yeah, probably The Alchemist. Yeah, that's a great book. Yeah, be the, the most mindful one I can think of. 
Now, some people use apps to help them be more focused or mindful, or sometimes it's like a productivity app that that it just sort of takes their mind off worrying about things. And Do you have an app which you would say helps you to be more mindful? Uh, I love, uh, I mean, gosh, my, again, mindful is such an interesting topic. Um, yeah. Uh, I use Evernote like it's my job. So I, I use Evernote a ton and that's been super helpful for me as far as mindful. No, I think Evernote is really my thing. That's, that's how I schedule everything. That's how I, um, that's my productivity app. I mean, it's really, it's the, it's the way for me. For sure. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, I just feel like I've learned a ton from you since I met you at PodFest a couple of weeks ago. And then, you know, I, I listened to you sitting there and then I, I knew about you and, and your expertise on interviewing. And I had been on a podcast listening to you talk about that. And, and then I've listened to so many of your shows and so on. And Mindful Tribe, you got to check out the shows here. You got to check out the, the Solopreneur Hour. It's just awesome. And you can just go to solohour.com for short. It's a lot easier to spell, right, Michael? That's right. Don't spell preneur that uh, isn't from Montreal or France. <laughs> yeah, Michael, tell us how else we can reach out to you and kind of connect with you and maybe put any other plugs in here, how we can, how we can learn more about what you're up to. Well, uh, let's see. My coaching group is at IWantToSoloLab.com and I'm at uh, solo hour at all the social media. So you can reach out to me that way. Michael, it's been fantastic spending time with you, talking with you. And I know mindful tribe is just going to love this interview. I want to thank you so much for being on the show and all the best to you. Bruce. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, my pleasure. You take care. Have a great rest of your day, Michael. Thank you. Yeah. Bye now. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.